All right, it's episode 23, Pain Points of Wealth. And there's mounds of money creating mounds of speculation in the stock market as we speak. There's literally $4.3 trillion sitting in cash because the government has printed so much money. And not surprisingly, a lot of that money is finding its way into the stock market, creating rampant speculation. So the question is, are we in a bubble? How do you invest your money today to get a good return over the next five to 10 years? We're going to address that along with maybe last year with the pandemic, you pushed your financial planning to the sidelines. Fair enough. Well, it's a new year. You've got a new perspective on life, hopefully. And we're going to talk about how to get your financial life in order, get it in gear in 2021. Check it out. It's going to be a great episode. Let's hit it. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod, Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. Hey, right. It's like, uh, let the good times roll, right? We have money rolling into the stock market from cash on the sidelines. Like you said, $4.3 trillion. That's up $800 billion from the end of 2019. So even though we're at all-time record highs on the U.S. stock market, making 52-week highs everywhere else in the world, there's more money going to the sidelines than there is going into the financial assets. That's not going to last long. And meanwhile, you've got Congress about to enact another hefty stimulus package equal to 5% of the gross domestic product. So yeah, surprisingly, it's going to find its way into the stock market. No surprise at all. This is where these big bubbles are formed. And I think a big bubble's coming. Well, the scariest thing about it is that this money, to your point, Dad, is going to be going into the stock market. The question is, where is it going to go? And it's not going to go into like places that we're advising, like, hey, you know, invest in a diversified risk-adjusted portfolio. No, they want to invest in things like Bitcoin, SPACs, Special Purpose Acquisition Corporations, you know, new IPOs, companies that don't have any earnings, you know, the quote unquote sexy trades. Uh, they're not interested in investing for the long run. They're interested in the quick buck. And to your point, Dad, that's probably what's going to lead to a bubble. So Chris, you're telling me that the majority of people out there, when you ask them, are you a conservative investor or a speculator? They'll say, I'm a conservative investor, but how much Bitcoin should I buy? That doesn't sound like it connects, does it? (laughs) Well, I think we're in the middle of it right now. I mean, like literally, I was talking to this guy in Venice Beach the other day, young dude, show me his phone. He's got $100,000 now from all the investing he's done buying things like GameStop. Right, GameStop is like an old school video game store. It's like, you know, when you used to go to Blockbuster to buy your videos. All that stuff's digital now, yet the stock is just going rampant right now just because there's so much speculation. My buddy was told me he was in his Uber the other night while his driver was speculating on stocks. Right. So it's like it's all around us right now. But the big question is, and Bob, you and I talked about this before, is you just don't know when the bubble's gonna burst. There's that famous quote by Alan Greenspan, who was the Fed chair back in the mid nineties. And he talked about irrational exuberance in like 1995, 1996. And the market bubble didn't burst until 2000. So you can be way early on these things. And I think it's impossible to really know. We know we're in a speculative time, but how do you really know when the bubble is actually going to burst? Well, that's the thing. Risk is something only recognized in hindsight. But there's lots of signs along the road to perdition, right? You have a half a trillion dollars worth of options on individual stocks traded last week alone, the highest single day level in the history of the options market. And that goes all the way back to the early 70s. 
You also have the lowest amount of bearish pets, you know, the lowest amount of puts being bought in the history of the stock market. So you have the lowest level in years on people bearish, the highest level in the years of people being bullish. And so you would say the conventional wisdom is, you know, I want to be bullish because everybody else is. But what I find is that there's very little wisdom in conventional wisdom, boys. Yeah, that's absolutely true, Dad. And this is why it's so important that you have to have parameters around your investments, you know, sticking to a discipline. You know, in our case, it's an allocation, making sure that everything that you own is matching its target percentages. Otherwise, it's just a free-for-all. As John Wooden said, people don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. Yeah, it's a good point because it's like, when do you sell, right? That's the big question. And the problem is Wall Street's not going to tell you ahead of time. We make fun of Wall Street all the time. It's one of the in my favorite themes of our show. <laughs> and Wall Street, they just buy into the BS just as much as the individual investor. So when the music stops, no one's going to tell you ahead of time. And to your point, Chris, and we've talked to a lot of our clients, and we've talked to a lot of investors that made a lot of money betting on Tesla, buying a lot of these hot IPOs, and they made a lot of money, which is great. But the question is, you know, when do you dial back on the risk? And if there's not already a discipline in place that says, well, I'm only going to have X amount in my portfolio and a lot of these more speculative trades, then you could just keep riding it and keep riding it. And then bam, when the music stops, you didn't book any profits, market sells off precipitously. Well, not only did you miss the boat, but now you've lost money. So I think having that discipline in place to say, hey, I'm going to take profits on the table, which is really hard when the market's hot. Is something you really have to do if you're going to be a smart investor long term. That's the ultimate conundrum in these speculative periods. And I've been through a lot of them. The speculators all say the same thing. How can something that feels so good that's doing so well be so bad, right? Because there's no institutional memory. You know, very few of these younger investors who are on Robinhood who are you know speculating with a hundred dollars or have a total portfolio value of twenty thousand dollars have any idea what happened in 1999, 2000, 2001, what we famously now call the tech wreck. They don't realize that something that's up 100% can go down 100%. They think that there's you know, these companies that are going to be really profitable, but they're going to be really profitable 20 years from now, aren't going to drop somewhere between now and 2040. Well, Dad, you mentioned something really interesting, You know, investing on feelings. You know, The only feeling that you're going to feel, you might feel good today, but at the end of the day, you're going to feel bad when your investments are tanking. So I think that's why it's really important to have an IPS. And I know most of you think IPS stands for Investment Policy Statement. What it actually stands for is Investment Positioning System. You know, always know where you're going, right? Always have a goal in mind, and your investments should be on a path in the same direction as what your goals are. I like IPS's idiot-proof system, Chris. <laughs> I read it because we're all idiots when it comes to investing, right? We all get our emotions involved, and that's what having a discipline that's smarter than us that you know keeps us from making bad decisions. And I think the other thing we have to think about here is you know we're long-term investors. So we're always thinking about the future. Like what's the world going to look like five years from now, 10 years from now? And we're talking about printing all this money. We know that invariably, it's probably going to create what we call inflation. And we're starting to see that happen already. right? And if you start looking at interest rates, they've started to go higher. Commodity prices, which are a measure of inflation, you know, are going higher as well. If they go up in price, that's indicative of things like inflation. And all these hot stocks, all these growth stocks that we've been talking about week after week, like Tesla, all these hot IPOs like Palantir, Snowflake, you know, the list goes on and on. Well, they're kind of the antithesis of interest rates going up and inflation kicking in. Because when that happens, that's very, very bad 
for a lot of these stocks that are very hot right now. So it's time to start thinking about how do you reposition your portfolio for the next couple of years, not for just what's going on right now. Well, that's the thing. Investing is about having enough, right? Enough to retire on, enough to stay retired, long-term lofty goals. A lot of you haven't planned to live past 60, right? And a lot of people have don't plan to live past 80. What happens if you run out of money? So you don't have to reach for return, right? It's sort of like Icarus when he flew too close to the sun. You know, the sun melted his wax on his wings and he fell to earth. You don't want your portfolio falling to earth like Icarus, right? You want it to sustain you forever and ever as long as you need it. So the speculation make feels good, might make your portfolio values look good. But if you're suddenly a lot wealthier than you were just a year ago, it's time to think about taking a few chips off the table, guys. As we like to say, gentlemen, pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. Hey, if you like our channel, you've been listening every single week, please subscribe to our channel, click on that like button. And if there's anything you want us to talk about, any topics you want us to discuss, put in the comment section. We'd love to engage with you and make sure we're addressing anything financially speaking that you're interested in. And now this is the tipping point where we pinpoint the pain point having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, a lot of us may have swept our financial plan under the rug last year, given what a tumultuous year it was. And you know, you may have even promised yourself you wouldn't do that again in 2021. So now, you know, we basically have some light at the end of the tunnel. And the, as the world starts to become vaccinated, let's make some really good financial choices in 2021. And I thought we could discuss a few of the critical items that you really need to focus on this year. You know, Ryan, I had high hopes for getting vaccinated, but I'll tell you what, in Florida, they have Publix, the big supermarket distributing vaccines. They have the counties distributing vaccines. Problem is when you go to register, you get shut out immediately. So the baby boomers, at least in Florida, are having registration frustration. Yeah, that's so true, Dad. As a matter of fact, one of my clients went, uh, drove all the way over from Naples to Miami to get vaccinated at Marlin Stadium. They waited in line for three hours in their car. And because they were there for so long, the car overheated. They ended up having to get towed out of the parking lot. They actually had tow trucks in the parking lot for the express purposes of towing people out whose cars overheated. Long story short, they lost their place in line and had to wait a few more weeks before they finally got vaccinated. You know, Chris, I think that's actually a great story because it's better to have your car expire before you do. Well, look, guys, I mean, and I feel your pain, Bob, no pun intended. You know, it, it is frustrating to get the vaccine. But I mean, if you look at the numbers, realistically, we should see mass vaccinations, you know, ideally by the summertime. And from there, from every economical standpoint, that should be very good for the economy, as we talked about all this cash out there to spend. But I think some of the things you got to think about this year, because we, you know, as you like to say, Bob, the world doesn't end very often, is, you know, there's a lot of rules and regulations that changed last year that we might have forgotten about with the new Secure Act. Because once the pandemic hit, everyone forgot we had all this new tax legislation that you could use with your portfolio. Yeah, I'll tell you what, that was a fantastic bit of legislation last year where all of us got a break on our required minimum distribution from our retirement plans. They waived it off for everybody. And meanwhile, they moved the required age up to 72 from 70. That's two more years of compounding, two more years of not having to take 20% of your distribution and giving it to the IRS. It's going to help everybody secure their retirement with that one piece of legislation. That's a good point about 72, Dad. I actually spoke with a new client the other day. They just came on board. They just turned 70 this year, and they were under the impression that this was the first year that they had to take an RMD. They didn't realize that they now can wait till 72. 
And they were all flustered because they had spoken to their account and they'd come up with a tax plan. And I said, well, look, it's not a problem. I said, we can just do a Roth conversion. I said, you're still going to have the income, but now you can convert it to tax-free assets. And they were very, very excited about that. And it's all about taxes, guys. You know, We preach this week after week at our firm, Paying Capital Management. We're always thinking about taxes. Any money you can keep away from the government is a good thing. And I think you know, a lot of us last year, actually, our businesses boomed. And I think it was the tale of two different economies. You know, Some of your businesses may have gotten hurt by the pandemic. You might be in a lower income bracket and there's some tax benefits from that. But also, you know, like our business specifically, and a lot of our clients' businesses like just went through the roof last year. Anything that could have been done remotely, there's a lot of efficiencies that were in place. You might find yourself with actually more money than you've had before. And you want to start thinking about those retirement plans that you can set up. And there's lots of creative ways to do that, where you can basically save on taxes this year. And that's huge. But you got to start planning for that stuff like right now. Hey, that's the way our government works, right? It giveth and then it taketh away, right? So it giveth a break on the RMD, which really benefits the baby boom generation, my generation. But who they take it away from? They took it away from you guys. Because now when you inherit an IRA and when you inherit your parents' 401k, there's an enormous amount of money in those retirement plans. Now what the IRS makes you do when you inherit this money is distribute it within 10 years. Now, baby boomers, you know, they made a lot of money, but I'll tell you what, millennials are now taking over those jobs or in high incomes. When you start taking a required minimum distribution from a large inherited retirement plan, it's going to push you into the maximum bracket and you're going to pay maximum taxes to the IRS. And I think it's coming. I mean, taxes probably are going up. I suspect with all this money the government's printing, someone's going to pay the piper at some time and I suspect it's us. (laughs) So you really have to start thinking about how to protect your money from taxes. And I think it's one of these things where you know we mentioned millennials right now, 75% of the workforce in the next two, three years is going to be millennials. You're going to be in your peak earning years. And we're seeing this with our firm. And you, know, you really have to start getting serious about where you're putting your money, you know, basically when you want to be financially independent, all these questions maybe you didn't ask yourself before, but you know, the stakes are becoming a lot higher now as you're making more money and as taxes are going potentially up. Like These are real decisions you're going to have to start making that you probably didn't really think was important before. Yeah, you absolutely do have to get real about your finances. And Dad, you mentioned earlier about passing on IRA assets to your heirs and the fact that they're going to have to spend that money down within 10 years. I spoke to a client the other day and we had talked about their children inheriting money and their comment was, well, I've already given my kids enough that I think you could probably identify with that. And I said, yeah, I said, you're also going to give them now a tax headache. And he was like, okay, that makes sense. Let's talk a little bit more about this. Well, that's the whole point. I mean, every year, I mean, I have my doctor's annual physical on my calendar ready to go this summer. I always take February as the month where I update my own financial plan personally. This is an opportunity as you gather your tax documents to put everything together and sit down with your financial advisor and do your annual financial physical, because this way you can see if you're paying any unnecessary taxes. Maybe you're taking income from a taxable bond investment should be in municipal bonds. Municipal bonds are going to do really well under the new administration because a big promise they made was to tax the daylights out of you. So let's do what we can to protect our income and protect our net worth from the big brother down there in Washington. The big picture here is what we always preach, guys, is like, have you ever had just an overall financial plan done for yourself, right? Ever start to model out what that financial independence looks like? And I think to me, Chris, you know, our whole firm is based on the fact that you plan first, then you decide what to do with your money. 
Yeah, that's absolutely true, Ryan. And you know, one of the things that we offer as a firm is our 360 portal, which basically not only is it a place where you can keep track of all of your assets, but it also has a thing like a vault, an electronic vault where you can keep things like important estate documents, your tax returns. You know, it also gives you the ability to have someone else access it. Like for example, Ryan, believe it or not, you're actually my executor and you actually have access to my e-money portal. So God forbid if something were ever happened to me, you would have to make sure that money all goes to dad. So much power. So much power, Chris. Yeah. We'll see where that money goes. Well, that's the key. If you have the uh, 360 financial portal or something like that, you're in a position every day to assess your overall investment health, your overall retirement health. You know, We call it the A to B process, making sure you're getting from where you are now to your goals, your dreams, and doing it net of inflation, doing and running what-if scenarios. What if you live to 100? What if you live to 90? I play golf with a guy. He's 93 years old, and he just ran out of money because he didn't plan on making it past 85. Well, some of you are going to make it past 85, and you better be prepared because healthcare costs are going through the roof. And the way to do it is to simply run an A to B approach, a wealth projection, do it once a year. Hey, do it once a day if you feel like it, but once a year is sufficient. You want to all be financially safe. Bob, Chris, and I have now spent a collective 70 years helping individuals just like you with their planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything we teach you here on this podcast along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead financially at any stage of your journey. But if you have over $500,000 saved and you want a more hands-on approach and guidance, you can apply for a free financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan or click on the link below. We can put together a full audit of your investments, the fees you're paying, tax optimization, and a complete savings and income plan to ensure you're on the right path to achieving financial independence. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a free financial review. All right, it's the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. All right, guys, let's get to it. Bob, Japan was one of the biggest stock markets in the world for a time in the late 80s making up 45% of the global market capitalization. Japan now only makes up 8% of that total. It was a wild ride back in those late 80s, Bob. I'll tell you what, it was a wild ride, ride. It was a big wake-up call for the good old US of A, especially when these Japanese investors came over and they bought Pebble Beach, our best golf course. It depressed every golfer in the country. That was the end of Japan. Once they took over our golf course, it was over. They're now down to 8% of the stock market capitalization of the world, just where they belong. Wow, that's very economically sound. That's the reason it happened. But anyway, (laughs) Chris, during the Trump presidency, the S&P 500 annualized 13.9% a year, which is only slightly higher than when Obama was president at 13.1% a year. So basically, the market was almost identical under both of their tenures. You know, I don't know if you guys heard the press conference the other day when Tim Cook announced that just because Biden had become president, they were no longer going to sell any more iPads. Actually, that's not true at all. That never happened. Companies do not care who is the president. Companies are in this business to make profit. And therefore, the market does not care who's in the White House just as long as somebody's in the White House. Making a note, Bob, nearly 87.5 of US GDP is generated by the private sector outside the government's direct reach. Kind of speaks to the last thing we just talked about. Further demand for US stocks and the goods 
U.S. firms produce is fully global. Nearly 40% of U.S. firms' revenue stems from outside the U.S., mitigating American politics influence and supply chains as well are similarly global. Hey, Ryan, that's a lot of GDP coming from the private sector, as it should be. And the government doesn't have that big of influence because we're in a global economy. Not only do we do business overseas, they do lots of business with us. And the last time I looked, when we elect the government, we don't elect the government for Germany. And Germany doesn't elect the government for us. So we have to focus on the fact that we invest in companies both here and abroad. And there's lots of business being done everywhere. Lots of opportunities, not just in our market, but also in the emerging markets. The other thing to think about is we're inextricably linked to the globe at this point. You know, you hear a lot about like we should ban Chinese companies. Well, do you like your iPhone? Is what I always ask because all the parts come from China. <laughs> so I think at this point, it's impossible <laughs> to say that we're going to be more protectionist and we're going to go inward, given the fact that at this point, you're right, it is a global economy. Hence, Capitol Hill doesn't have as big influence over the markets as the media would like you to believe. You know, I always say, Ryan, do you want to be right or do you want to be rich? And right now, you've hit China as the number one performing stock market in the world. It's up four times what the S&P 500 is up this year. I'm not a big fan of China, but I certainly do like making money. And we're making money in China right now. I want to be right and rich, but that's just me. Chris, I gave this stat earlier in the show, but it bears repeating. Millennials will account for 75% of the US workforce by 2025. Man, oh man, that's a lot of millennials running the show. Well, you know, so many folks out there talk about how millennials are entitled and lazy and all this kind of stuff, but our society is becoming more productive. So what I would say to all of you out there, non-millennials is stop giving us a hard time because chances are you're going to be working for us. 2025. Oh, well, I can finally retire. Some millennial is going to take my job. I'm excited. Oh no, Bob, we'll never let you retire. All right. February blues, guys. February historically is up only 53% of the time with an average return of 0.11%. Furthermore, February typically witnesses a 5% correction or goes down 5% in years when the White House changes hands. Maybe we should go to cash in February, Bob. Now, I'm just going to follow you know, Mark Twain's advice and recognize that February is one of the worst months you can speculate in stocks and one of the riskiest months. Of course, the other ones are January, March, April, May, June, July. You, know, you get it. I don't ever want to be a speculator and I don't ever want to time the market. I want to be an investor. And if it goes down 5%, guess what we're going to be doing, guys? We're going to be buying. Love those discounts. All right, Chris, over the 41 five-year rolling periods from 1976 through 2020, dividend-paying stocks outpaced the broader market 60% of the time. Got to have those dividends in your portfolio. Well, you know what? We always preach having diversification ad nauseum, and I think it's important to have diversification in your returns too. So it's not just about the market going up, but even when the market's down, you're still getting those dividends. All about cash flow, baby. All right, guys, well, another great episode, Pain Points of Wealth. If you're into our content, please subscribe. Click that like button. Put some comments in the comments section. We would love to converse with you. That's it. Another great episode. Stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to the Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully, you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. 
Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed.